0: chapter 4 verse 1 then was jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil in reverse order and we see the devil here this is the first time that satan also known as lucifer appears in this gospel and some so-called christian groups don't believe that satan exists but uh, he is found in both testaments, he initially was a beautiful cherub and he had great responsibility but sin was found in him pride came along and he wanted to become like the most high he wanted to replace the most high according to Isaiah 14 therefore the Lord punished him and he became the serpent which tempted Eve and through Eve's fall the entire human race fell into sin also see here a reference to the spirit holy ghost and the holy spirit gave the lord jesus christ the ability to do what he did paul says that the lord emptied himself in philippians 2 and therefore the holy spirit came alongside the lord and gave him the ability to do what he did Hence why he looks to the Holy Spirit. And you find this in Matthew 12 and Mark 3. And he says anybody who blasphemes the Son of Man can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost there is no forgiveness of sin. Why? Well the Holy Spirit was of course driving the Lord along. The Lord Jesus Christ did what he did through the power of the Holy Ghost. Also this expression led him up. Into the wilderness to be tempted This is one of the Handful of scriptures Which puzzles Christians Why is Satan tempting The Lord? Why was the Lord baptised in the first place? We saw in the third chapter That even John said You are without sin But here the devil Is going to try and tempt him And uh, the devil May be a cherub He may be an angel He may be incredibly smart but he's not god he only has so much knowledge whereas the lord of course knows everything the beginning from the end two and when he jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights he was afterward a hungered and when the tempter came to him he said if thou be the son of god command that these stones be made bread So the temptation here starts in verse 1 By verse 3 he's questioning the Lord's deity Something that the Jehovah's Witnesses do The Christadelphians do The Muslims do The Scientologists do And pretty much every other unsavory organisation in the world But here the old liar, the old deceiver, the old tempter himself Is questioning the Lord's deity 4 But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is a direct quote from the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy, and the Lord is quoting Deuteronomy because it is the word of God. In fact, the New Testament cites the Old Testament around 80 times. Every word of God was inspired and has been preserved and here the Lord goes straight to scripture to silence the devil of course Satan is tempting Jesus he wants to give him physical food he hasn't eaten for forty days and along with Elijah and Moses this wouldn't be something that everybody would wish to do I knew a man some years ago who got saved later in life and he had been a chain smoker for many many years and he got Wonderfully saved had an amazing ministry, but on one occasion he decided to fast and he didn't eat properly for several days and it may have been even a week or two I can't remember, but uh, he fell very ill around this time and uh his health deteriorated, and the doctors are called and he went into a coma and sadly died. He was in his mid to late 60s, wasn't that old really, but uh, his chain smoking, his poor living, pre his salvation days caught up with him, but his intentions were sincere. He wanted to fast, he wanted to focus on the Lord, he wanted to be closer to the Lord, and sadly for him, it cost him his life. As I say, a marvelously saved man, a tremendous ministry but uh, fasting has to be done carefully you need to be careful that you don't overdo it and uh, as I say this brother went into eternity quite possibly earlier than he would have done had he been more sensible but uh, he did what he did we have free will and uh, he's now with the Lord five then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Satan quoting scripture. Second Corinthians The devil is spoken of as an angel of light. So don't ever be surprised if you come across people who are religious that can quote the scripture word for word. Satan is doing it here, and he's also twisting the scripture here. If you go back to, I believe it's Psalm 92, that he is uh, quoting here, you find that he's twisted the scripture. And that's what he does, he's a liar, and he's a deceiver. Verse 5 speaks about the holy city which is Jerusalem and there isn't one mention of Jerusalem in the Quran and yet if you speak to any Shiite or Sunni Muslim they will tell you with a straight face that Jerusalem belongs to the Muslims and they quote this erroneous and far-fetched claim that Muhammad ascended up On a horse from Jerusalem. But there is no reference of this in the Quran. Whereas Jerusalem is found 2,500 times in the Old Testament alone. Verse 1 had the Holy Spirit taken Jesus up into the wilderness. Verse 5 has the devil taken him up into the Holy City. These are strange verses. They aren't very easy to understand. But uh, what we can say for sure, because we already know this from other scriptures, is that the Lord himself is obviously a spirit being. Satan is a spirit being. And the Lord has two natures. He is God and he is man. So my first thoughts when I looked at this chapter earlier was that It would be difficult to conceive of Satan tempting the Lord's deity. He knows who Christ is. There are other chapters, other sections of the Gospels when the Lord comes across demon-possessed people and they say, we know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. So Satan knows, of course, who Christ is. So all I can really gauge from this is he must be tempting the Lord's human side hence his hunger from verse 4 and as I say by 5 he's taken him up to the holy city and put him on a pinnacle which I believe was about 450 feet high so it's pretty high and uh, as I say by verse 6 he's twisted the scripture which all false religions do 7 Jesus said unto him it is written again Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What an amazing piece of scripture. You won't tempt the Lord thy God. Again, from Deuteronomy, but here Jesus is speaking. He's saying, You won't tempt me, the Lord your God, deity. This is the power of the scripture, of course. Every word of God is from heaven and has the ability to change lives. That is why it is referred to in the book of Hebrews as a sharp two-edged sword, and when it's used correctly, can do great things. But if it's used incorrectly, it can do severe damage. 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them and saith unto him all these things will i give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me he is called a liar he's called the father of lies in fact so we have to approach this with the view that he is a liar but also what he is saying does have some truth because paul says that the devil Is the God, lowercase G, of this world, so the entire political, economic, and apostate religious system is in his pocket. So he obviously had the world and all its glory in the fourth chapter to give to the Lord. It would be difficult to have him make an empty promise that he couldn't substantiate, that he couldn't fulfil if he didn't have it to begin with. So, leave the scripture as it is. He's offering the Lord the glory, the kingdoms, food, because he obviously has that to give him. 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Once again, quoting scripture. Scripture should be your final authority. Never mind church tradition, councils, popes, your favorite TV evangelist, your favorite YouTuber. The scripture is your final authority. And he goes straight to the scripture to silence Lucifer. 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. This two way conversation is also spoken of in Luke's Gospel, and I believe Mark as well. We don't get into conversations with the devil. In the book of Jude, Michael, the archangel, gets into a scrap with the devil over the body of Moses. And he doesn't deal directly with the devil himself. Because he doesn't have the authority to. So he says the Lord rebuke you. Yet here Christ is rebuking the devil directly himself. So we don't as I say have the authority or the ability or even the desire. To engage the devil in a conversation. We were told to flee from him. And we were told to walk in the spirit. And use the sword of the Lord as our. Defense against the devil but we don't get into conversations with him so watch some of these so called deliverance ministries because if they're not careful they can end up causing you more harm than good 12 now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison he departed into Galilee and leaving Nazareth he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is upon the sea coasts, in the borders of Zabalon, and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias, the prophet, saying, The land of Zabalon, and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness, saw great light, And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John started this back in the third chapter. The Lord is continuing on John's work. Repent, change your mind, come unto me. The kingdom of heaven is here and now, i.e. I am the kingdom of heaven. Believe on me, and I will save you. Physical realm, spiritual realm. Here, it is the physical realm, because the king is on the earth. First coming, he arrived as the son of Joseph to suffer. Second coming, he comes as the son of David to rule and reign. 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets, and followed him. John's Gospel tells us that Peter wasn't the first person to be saved. In fact, Andrew was called pre-Peter. And only in Matthew's Gospel do you find those famous words, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. More on that later, of course. But here, Matthew is focusing on Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, as the first named apostles, if you will, that have been called and commissioned to be fishers, to be soul winners. 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, He saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. John here is the author of the Gospel of John. He is the youngest of all the apostles, and he's also the writer, I believe, of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. James, his brother, is the James that you find in the 12th chapter of Acts, which is put to death. The second James that you find in Acts 15 is the half-brother of the Lord. And it's that James that wrote the epistle of James. But here, this is John's brother, the sons of Zebedee. And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and jesus went about all galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people the king is here he has a spiritual throne at this point of his ministry And he's healing all those that wanted to be healed. Anybody that came to him wanting to be healed got healed. Nobody came to him wanting to be healed that didn't get healed. When you come across faith healers today, if they can't heal you, and 99% of the time they can't heal you, they will say to you that you didn't have faith in order to be healed and they put the responsibility on you that is completely false people got healed in the New Testament that not only didn't always believe on the Lord like uh, the servants who had his ear cut off but people got healed by the Lord that were dead he raised them up what faith did they have there so those that come to the Lord wanting to be healed were healed But those that didn't come to be healed were never healed. So if you want to argue that the sign gifts are still for today, you have to go to the scripture and see if your ministry, if you are part of a healing ministry, lines up with the New Testament. Can you heal everybody without exception that comes forward to be healed? Are you doing all of your healings out in the open? Of course not. Most of the so-called healings are found in arenas. We don't know who these people are. We haven't read their medical records. They could be anybody. They could be actors. We don't know. And they come forward. They give these wonderful testimonies on stage. And people get their, their money out. Start giving donations. And it continues to fund this counterfeit church. This counterfeit gospel. This counterfeit presence of being anything Christian. But here, he heals everybody that came to be healed. 24, and his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. And those which were possessed with devils. And those which were lunatic. And those that had the palsy. And he healed them. Everybody got healed. Not just the... Emotional stuff that you see at these crusades. People were possessed with devils. They had uh, the palsy. They were lunatic. They were mad, insane. He healed everybody without exception. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. People travelled for miles to come and see the Lord. There are accounts that Pilate had reports given to him of this great miracle maker. Herod's secret police would have heard of the Lord's ministry. Paul, pre his salvation here, by two and a half, three years, four years, five years, Paul would have heard of this. Joseph of Arimathea Nicodemus Caiaphas they would have all heard of this great miracle maker who wasn't asking for money he wasn't asking for women he wasn't asking for anything all he was telling the people to do were to come to the Lord worship the Lord repent show true repentance fall on your knees and he would save them how can anybody oppose that? how can anybody better that? what can Muhammad do? what could Buddha do? what could Krishna do? what could any of these religious people do? that Jesus Christ didn't do what further things can they add? what more can they give us? how can they improve on what Christ did and said they can't they can't